What's up, everybody? I'm Joe Longo. This is the Inspired Creativity Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Today on this episode, I'm talking with Leslie Traeger, and we are talking about her journey from a traumatic injury to healing and how she went from this injury to healing and now to helping other people make their journey through their own healing process. It's a great conversation. It actually... I felt that the time just flew by as we were chatting. But before we jump into the episode, I'd want to tell you a couple things that are going on with me that you might be interested in. On September 13th, I'm teaching my favorite workshop called Creatively Manifesting Your Life at the Healing Fields in Northern Liberties on Friday the 13th. Very spooky, right? From 6.30 to 8.30. And it's only $20. And if $20 is too much, send me a message. I don't want anyone to be turned away because of finances. It's a really fun workshop. We're going to journal. We're going to talk. We're going to set intentions. I'm going to give you some new tips that I've recently learned on manifesting and creating the life that you want. And then we're going to roll through a really fun Kundalini Kriya. We're going to sing some Kundalini mantras, do a lot of Kundalini meditations. It's really a lot of fun and silly and it's just a, a super enjoyable time. So if you can join me that, it's Friday the 13th at the Healing Fields from 6.30 to 8.30. On September 20th, I am back at Nectar Yoga in Phoenixville teaching Punch Fear in the Face, another Kundalini workshop where the Kriya, we relax and we let go of the fears that are holding us back so we can step into our greatness and start moving forward on the path that we've been put on this planet to live. Also, another really fun, silly Kundalini workshop. And then on September 21st, the next day, I'm teaching a special one-hour Kundalini class at the Shine Yoga Festival at Shine Power Yoga in New Jersey. And my class is at 10.30, but I would suggest just coming out for the whole day. There's going to be amazing teachers teaching throughout the day. I start around 10.30 or 10.40, And it's going to be a really fun, power-packed hour of kundalini movement and mantra and just a lot of fun. And along with all that, I am currently creating photography-wise and podcast-wise and YouTube video-wise out of the Philadelphia Yoga Exchange. And I'm now booking photo sessions in studio sessions, which is a lot of fun for me. So I'm now doing headshots and lifestyle shots and yoga sessions inside. Don't worry, I still do all the outdoor photography, but I'm bringing a different aspect, a different twist to things and and working inside. I love studio work and it's a lot of fun. And also with this, I'm now offering sessions where if you feel nervous about getting your photo taken, you book a session that's a little bit longer and we sit down and we meditate and we ground and we get ready to actually take your picture. So you're feeling beautiful. So you're feeling connected to yourself and not nervous and just afraid to get your picture taken. Nobody really likes to get their picture taken. I hear it all the time. I hate having my picture taken. I hate having my picture taken. But you know what happens when you say that, when you put that energy out into the world, it creates that feel within your images. So I like to just take a couple moments just to ground and breathe and focus, set an intention on the kind of images that you wanna create. And now that I have this beautiful space to work out of in the Philadelphia Yoga Exchange, it really has opened up a lot of doors. So if you're interested in scheduling a session, sessions now, 30-minute sessions start at $100. 
And then the price goes up depending on the amount of time that we spend together, the amount of time that you want to spend together. Um, but pretty much it is a bargain rate for anyone that may need some new headshots for your Tinder profile, your Bumble profile, for LinkedIn. And, you know, maybe it's time that you stop using that headshot of you cropped out of a wedding photo with your best friend. Maybe it's time to step your game up, improve your personal brand. If that's the case, you want more info, send me a message. And all of this information about the yoga sessions and the photo sessions at the Philadelphia Yoga Exchange will be in the show notes that now has a dedicated page over on my website, joelongophotography.com. Along with all of that, I also created a YouTube channel that's just youtube.com slash C, the letter C, slash Joe Longo. And on that channel, I'm sharing all kinds of fun tips and tricks on manifestation and meditation. And I'm talking about books that I've read that have really inspired me. And just fun little topics that can help you like this podcast, not like this podcast, but can help you start moving in the direction of your passion, your purpose, your bliss. And I'm having a lot of fun with all of these things. So please check that out. Head to my website, joelongophotography.com, and you can get all the information about the show notes. You can watch and hear past YouTube videos and past podcasts as well as listening to this podcast on all of your favorite podcast devices, which you obviously are. And I'm actually, if you've noticed, I'm recording this intro in my living room, but the door to my backyard is open. There's currently a plane flying overhead. Maybe you can hear that. The birds are chirping, and it is a beautiful day, morning, I should say, in Philadelphia. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being part of this community. Please subscribe to the podcast so you know when new podcasts are released. Head over to that YouTube channel. And if you really want to jump into this community, head to Facebook. I have a Facebook group that's called Inspired Create Manifest, where it's a group of people that are inspiring and creative. And we're just chatting about all kinds of things, positivity, to help uplift not only our own vibration, but everyone's vibration within the group. Thank you again for being here. Now kick back and enjoy this episode with Leslie. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm Joe Longo, this is the Inspired Creativity Podcast, and I am sitting in a beautiful house on a lovely floor with my good friend, Leslie Traeger, and we are going to be talking about all kinds of things. I met Leslie about two years ago? Yes. Yes. Um, doing some video work and I found Leslie to be very inspiring and has a great story and we recently did a photo shoot and had a great conversation after the well throughout the whole photo shoot we had a great conversation and then on the way back um, we started talking about metaphysical stuff and manifesting I was like you you have to be on the podcast so here she is welcome thank, thank you. you thank you for being here thank you for having me you're so welcome <laughs> so um, really quick for everyone that's listening, tell us who is Leslie? Who are you, Leslie? What do you do? What are you all about? <laughs> well, I like to think of myself as a very creative person. I, I, I sing, I dance, I write, um, I think in pictures. You're a creative. I'm a creative, but I'm also a bit of an intellectual. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
I work to find balance between those two things because it's very difficult to find balance for me in life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm always working on, on finding that balance. Um, I love, I want to say that I met you at one of my absolute low points in my life. Mm -hmm. I had become disabled, neurologically and physically disabled. My brain had fragmented. I was really not capable of doing very much. And, um, and I had you videotape a healing circle that I had done for myself in order to help my own recovery mm -hmm. and in order to explain and ask for support from my friends and family who really didn't know what to do with me while I was in that very poor state of mind and body and to be able to work with you again two years later and do a photo shoot with you and be able to talk to you freely and be really the new person that I have manifested within myself for me is a great gift. So I'm really, really excited to be having this conversation yeah, with it you. Yeah, it, it, for me, it's very interesting you know, seeing that transformation from, because part of the healing session was even though you had this traumatic event happen, you looked like you were fine. And that was part of the, the process to let people know that I look this way, but there's, which is so interesting. I was listening to a podcast yesterday with uh, Jay Shetty. I don't remember the doctor who was on, but he was a, he's a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And he started his medical journey in imaging and radiology. Mm -hmm. And he said, one of the things psychologists don't do, we don't take a picture of the brain. We don't actually look at the brain to see what's going on and wow that's interesting that that just happened he was like there's so many times that people would come and they're like they look completely fine but you never know what's actually going on inside the brain so he started actually looking at people's brains to see what's happening and i'll try to tell this story really quick because i think you're, you'll enjoy it there was a couple he was counseling a husband and wife they were they went to one counselor and he was like just get divorced just give up get divorced it's not going to work so he then had referred them to this other doctor and they started talking and he started asking questions and the wife was just like he's an asshole like that's all i can say my husband is an asshole i don't know what else to say so he was like okay well when did he have you done drugs have you done like do you drink a lot and he was like no so they took pictures of his brain and his brain was severely damaged mm -hmm. but it looked like damage that came from drugs and alcohol mm -hmm. and he was like okay so people sometimes lie when they do drugs and alcohol and they don't want to say it so he was like we went to our next session like it looks like you know something is, is, is going on and his wife was like no you know she was like he's just an asshole like he doesn't drink he doesn't do drugs I would tell you because why not and he's like what do you do for a living and he was like, I work in a furniture factory. And he was like, what's your job in the furniture factory? He was like, I put the finish on the furniture. Mm. And he was like, do you Chemical. wear a, a mat? Yeah. So he was like, he was doing the worst kind of drugs because he was inhaling all these chemicals. And the chemicals were affecting his brain. So his brain wasn't functioning. It was, he literally had like a type of brain damage. And then once they found this out, he stopped working at that factory started doing stuff to heal his brain and all of a sudden he wasn't an asshole anymore 
and him and his wife are still married they didn't get divorced because they ended up finding out that it wasn't that he was an asshole his brain just wasn't working the way that it should yes and i can under i totally get that and let me tell you how i get that yes please so uh my disability was neurologically based Mm -hmm. and in that um, imbalance neurologically, my brain waves became very incoherent as well. Mm-hmm. And when brain waves are incoherently working, we lose our ability to think like as one executive functioning human being. And for me, the brain actually fragments. So my problems were all due to trauma. I am a multiple trauma survivor decade after decade after decade of my life. Eventually, the traumas became so severe that my brain separated from my body and literally separated from my body. So mm-hmm. my, the messages from my brain no longer were being followed by my body. Um, and I, 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 cannot, I, will, I don't know that I could ever explain the level of terror and horror and confusion and isolation that comes from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved what you brought up about invisibility when you were talking about this man in your story because that is exactly what was happening for me. I looked normal. All of my problems were invisible, mm-hmm. but I couldn't communicate with anybody. It was either rage or confusion or victim, you know, I was in a victim mindset where I simply couldn't, uh, um, I'm looking for the right word here, um, advocate for myself in any setting. Mm -hmm. And I felt like my life was over because I couldn't make my body work. I couldn't make my brain work. And there was no psychologist even though I was going to trauma specialists who seemed to be able to help me. And so in all of this despair, one thing that I had learned how to do because I'm a yoga teacher was meditate. Mm -hmm. And my body and my brain just naturally went into meditation state because that was my escape Mm -hmm. valve. It It was really the only place I could safely go where I could feel some level of ease. And while I was meditating, my brain naturally, without reading a book about it, without understanding anything about quantum physics or the brain at that time, my brain naturally took me to a place that I love to be, which was um, doing grand jetés, which is a ballet move, and I am a retired dancer. And in that state, you're leaping into the air, your legs are straddled like you're in the splits, and if you really do it well, your legs are actually lifting up a little higher than the split position, and you're hydroplaning. Uh And for a moment, you feel the lift of air under you as if you're an airplane, and in that moment, there is an ecstasy for every dancer that they feel. Yeah. And so I would, in my bed, because I couldn't really get up, out of bed by myself, I would lay for hours and stay in this vision of me doing this grand jeté and feeling this feeling of ecstasy. And it was the only place I wanted to be because if I wasn't there in my meditation, then I was suffering. I was either suffering in my body, I was suffering in my mind, I was suffering with therapists, I was suffering with insurance companies, I was suffering with the relationships in, with my parents, I was suffering with the failure of my, you know, my partner's relationship with me. Mm-hmm. There was just so much despair, so much suffering, and all I wanted was to find some place where I could feel something good. Right. 
And so I would meditate for hours because that's, you know, every chance that I got. And slowly through that meditation, I started to feel better. Uh-huh. And in and what I learned f- about this is that what I was actually doing was my brainwaves were in a beta brainwave cycle, which is a cycle of great um, amygdala mm-hmm. uh, brain thinking, where you're in a panic, where you're live you're thinking only in terms of complete survival, and when you are there in that space, the brain simply loses the ability to function in any other space that might be a more beneficial space to be residing, mm-hmm. right? So I started to notice that the more I would meditate and the more I would reach this really wonderful, ecstatic place, this, this feeling good space, that when I would come out of it, something in my body would correct itself. Mm-hmm. So I must have had hundreds of, I mean, imagine your, my brain is tell, telling my body, pick up that glass, you're thirsty, and I can't do it. I, can't, uh-huh. I might be able to get my fingers around the glass, but I can't hold on to the glass. Or I might actually get, hold the glass and be able to pick it up, but I can't figure out how to bring the glass to my mouth. Or I get it almost all the way to my mouth, but I spill it instead of it, go, it going into my mouth. I mean, there's just millions of ways in which I was failing constantly, and nobody could see it. Mm-hmm. But when I would meditate in this way and come out of it, then, you know, I was able to pick up the glass and maybe get it a little closer to my mouth before my body made its first mistake. Mm-hmm. And I started to think, well, wait a second, there's something here that's important. This, it, I need to stay here. This is how I'm going to heal. I had neurologists telling me that my life was over as I knew it. Um, I had no chance of recovery. And hearing that is a death sentence. Mm-hmm. Hearing that is a death sentence. I, and I, somewhere deep in my body, my body said no to that. My brain heard it and believed it and was petrified. But there was an intelligence growing in my body that I believe was coming from these meditative practices that I was employing every single day. There was an intelligence that, and I could feel it. Like I could feel an intelligence in my body. It wasn't in my brain, and all my brain really needed to do was relax mm-hmm. and stop worrying, stop, stop trying to figure anything out. The more my brain relaxed, the more my body began to solve its own problems mm-hmm. without doctors telling me what I needed to do, without a psychologist telling me what I needed to do, without my loving family and friends giving me their advice, mm-hmm. without the advice of you know the squirrel outside. I mean, you know, when you're in despair, you will listen to anything, everything. Please help me. You just go out into the world like, can you help me? You know? Right, right. <laughs> but I started to really develop this internal, from the neck down, intelligence. Mm-hmm. And even though I was in physical therapy five days a week, and at that point people were coming to me, you know, I was so poorly disabled that I didn't have to go to to a facility. Uh-huh. Therapists came to me, occupational therapists, physical therapists, nurses, doctors, whatever I needed, they all came here. Nothing that those people did was giving me 
as much of a result as the time I would just spend alone allowing my body to figure it, its own self out. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting that you keep saying allowing. And I think we were talking about Abraham mm-hmm. a little bit. Yes. So Esther um, and Jerry Hicks and Abraham, a channeled text. If you don't know, check them out. Um, but one of their things is the art of allowing. Yes. And you have to, you know, you put the effort in. You obviously have to put the effort in, but you also have to allow it to begin happening. So that's so interesting that you keep coming back to you. are allowing it. Like but yes, you... and the effort is, for me, releasing. Mm-hmm. It's a releasing of trying. The effort comes when we stop trying. Right, the letting go. It's the letting go. So I would literally, you're in my house and you see all the beautiful windows that I have around here. And I, I was, you know, when I got to a point where I could sit in a chair, I would sit here in the dining room and look out at that tree. Mm-hmm. And just my life was whatever was happening in that tree. And I would keep my eyes open, but I wouldn't think. And I would just feel this internal intelligence begin to build. Mm-hmm. And out of darkness, and literally I was working with a woman, Laura Chalfant at the time, who does a tremendous um, um, alternative um, approach to healing called body talk, which is actually using quantum physics, which is something I studied mm-hmm. uh, in order to heal, which is clearing the energy field. I literally, I wouldn't think, but I would allow my body to interpret whatever it needed to interpret from what my eyes were seeing. So I let I would intercept the brain. I let that piece out. Uh-huh. And I let my body's brain use my eyes. And I let my body's brain interpret what it needed to interpret that from my vision. Right. Instead of it was a turning off of the brain. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. This on Saturday, I photographed an event at Eastern State Penitentiary, and it was with an ex-convict that did his teacher training when he was in jail. And it was supposed to be a yoga class. It's, I love the way the universe works because it's perfect for this conversation right now. So he was supposed to teach a yoga class, but the organizer of the that was doing the talk talked too long. So there, was, there wasn't enough time to do a whole yoga class. So instead, the gentleman led a meditation. And he was like, this is what saved my life when I was in jail. Because I started, I learned how to meditate. And in that meditation, I found my freedom. He's like, so we would have these like blocks of time when they weren't working on their jobs or whatever they were doing, that instead of going to work in the yard and like work out, he was like, I would just go sit by myself. And I would just breathe. And I would come to this meditative state and I was no longer in jail. I was free. So he was like, for two hours a day, I was free. And I wasn't in these walls anymore. I was in a completely different space. So amazing. Like once, I think once our silly humans can get rid of the whole idea that meditation is too hard, I can't do it. And you actually just start like figuring out a way that it works for you. The amazing things that, that can happen. Okay, yeah. You know, and for me, coming into all of this out of complete despair was uh, the perfect arena mm-hmm. because I was desperate. Um, 
And when you're desperate, you'll do anything. You don't care what anybody thinks. You couldn't care less. You're gonna, you know what's working for you and you know what isn't. Um, and you do what works for you. Mm -hmm. right? So what started to happen for me is that I started to attract the things into my life that I needed uh -huh. for my healing. I was seeing this therapist doing body talk. She invited me to a talk with a man named Gary Weber, who is a, uh, an internationally renowned um, author. Uh, one of his famous books is Happiness Beyond Thought, and he, pro and he promotes intuitive healing. And I met him very early on in my illness, mm -hmm. and I spent time with him. He, he agreed to spend time with me, and we, we, he spent two and a half hours with me as we walked a two-mile course, which normally would take about 40 minutes, but at that time it took me two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. And I started telling him about the things my body wanted. You know, this is what the you know these this is what these doctors are telling me I need to do, but this is what my body wants, and he encouraged me to 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 heal with the with the process of intuitive healing, which is giving your body what it needs. Mm -hmm. And what my body wanted at that time was to hear another heartbeat, was to hear somebody else, the, you know, the cyclical cycle of somebody else's breath, because I was at a point in time where I couldn't feel my own heartbeat, I couldn't feel, I didn't have enough diaphragmatic function to feel the rise and fall of my own mm -hmm. chest and and I mean I'm just gonna say it because this is the truth and when you are neurologically impaired to that level the one piece of you that is not neurologically wired to the rest of you is your sensation for orgasm because mm. even someone in a coma uh, our we are here as an organism first uh -huh. And as an organism, our responsibility is to reproduce. So we never lose the good feelings uh -huh. that, that we get from orgasm. And that's why someone who is a quadriplegic can still access that part of themselves. Uh -huh. So um, he said, yes, Leslie, have as many orgasms as you can. Find somebody to lay with you. Find somebody who you can just put your ear on their chest mm -hmm. and listen. And really what he was basically explaining to me was this is how you bring your body back to homeostasis. Because I was living in a sympathetic nervous system response 100% of the time, which means that my brain waves are incoherent. And as long as your brain waves are incoherent, the messaging is giving the body is incoherent. Of course my eye was haywire, mm -hmm. right? But as I started to bring my body back to homeostasis, I didn't realize that was the term at the time, all I knew was it was the only place I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. Was, you know, just, just give me, I don't want to talk to you. I don't, I, <laughs> you know, I need to feel, I was freezing all over because I had lost so much um, muscle. Uh -huh. I wanted to feel warmth. I wanted to feel heartbeat. I wanted to feel breath. I basically was a newborn baby needing to be held by her mother. Mm. Um, and that was how I began to heal, was, was by employing these very basic, you know, pieces of our natural self that I had lost. Right. And, you know, then it became very clear, I just, if I could just help somebody else, I can't get, I can't spend more than 20 minutes in the car, I can't stay on my feet more than a couple hours a day, but if I can help somebody else, I will feel like my life is worth something. Mm -hmm. And so these would be the thoughts, and then I would meditate, and then the next day or the day next, I would, somebody would call and say, listen, can you help me help this person? And this actually happened. Uh -huh. And I was asked to help a woman who was blind and who was dying. And she couldn't, she was dying. 
I could drive far enough to get to her uh-huh. and I could lay in her bed with her and I could talk to her and I could understand her isolation and I could understand her fear because uh-huh. I was isolated in my own way and I had my own fears. And there I was, not really able to do very much, but I was helping somebody, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that brought me joy. And that joy brought me a little more coherent thinking. And then something else in my body would shift and heal. Mm-hmm. And then I would say, hmm, what do I need next? Because now I am dealing completely with the intuitive process of healing, which is learning how to listen to your body tell you what it needs. Yeah. And we as adults forget that that voice is there, don't we? We mm-hmm. forget it. We, we ignore it. We become so distanced from it. And my journey was finding my way back to my inner voice, right. which is something that I had lost decade after decade after decade throughout my entire life. Yeah, and I think it's something that we all lose like if we were i think we were talking about it last week that if we're raised in that way like how to stay happy how to stay in that creative mind state how to daydream how to you know do that not be told stop stop daydreaming bring your focus back here like stop staring at that tree like pay attention over here and now I think with all of the technology that we have, it's becoming more drastic. Because instead of stop daydreaming, here, watch this cartoon, or here, play with my phone, instead of just like, I don't know, doodle, mm-hmm. you know, color, do something, you know, to keep the mind going. It's really interesting, like how that, like that happens, where like, I wonder what society would be like if, if, that's how you know if school was like that if yeah. school was this creative space not to sit down and try to learn geometry that maybe you might use never <laughs> yeah well, i love that you bring up dreaming and mm-hmm. you know and again i'm going to be very transparent here because one thing uh, i do due to a lot of the trauma that i experienced in my life not surprising to anyone i became a very raging alcoholic and in my recovery from alcoholism i went to a spiritual recovery Um, center which teaches uh, Toltec which is an ancient Mayan methodology for living Mm -hmm. and in this place one of the things that they stressed highly to me was the importance of dreaming now let's talk about that because I'm not talking about you go to sleep and you have a dream Mm -hmm. I am talking about literally like laying down getting into a comfortable position and letting your mind wander yeah let it wander and but be aware of what it's saying Mm-hmm. So this is a process they teach in the Toltec traditions, and it's very common to take a two-hour period of time to dream. Now, that may seem like a really long time for some people, but I can tell you that if you spent two, for me, in my own experience, the, the more time I spent actively dreaming and just being the observer of my dreams, not trying to folk, not trying to figure them out, just f- going with the flow of them, feeling whatever would come up when I was thinking, whatever my mind wished to be thinking, mm-hmm. and going with the flow of that dream. You know, this this is a, a huge part of intuitive healing, and it's a practice that we don't do in this country, but in my opinion, needs to be done and and needs to be never forgotten. 
Right. You can't be forgotten. And I think a lot of, you know, with that, it's like a creative, you're working your creative muscle. And what are you going to creatively bring into your life? And again, it's something that we should be taught in school. Like, this is how you start visualizing and creating the life you want, not just blindly following along and being programmed. And then as adults, we're like, oh, wow, what if I, what if I daydream more? What if I start focusing? What if I start actually realizing I can create the life that I want to live? But you have to put that practice in. And I'm sure some people think like, oh, well, I wish I had two hours. You do. Stop watching Netflix. Well, exactly. You know? I was just about to say. Because this isn't something that you do when, you know, while you're, you're working. You know? Right. This isn't something you do while you're parenting. This is something you do in a space of time that you decide is free for you. Right? Right. So, so it's your TV time, right? It's your, what are you doing on your phone time? It's the Facebook time. It's the... Instagram yeah, time. all of it. You know, we all waste a couple hours a day yeah. in mindless thought. And daydreaming is the opposite of mindless thought. Mm -hmm. It is mindful thought. Yeah. So we just have the wrong idea about it in this country, or, you know, in my opinion. Same. I feel the same exact way. It's like, you should give yourself, and I say it a lot, like, give yourself a gift of an hour. If you can watch, you know, four episodes of, um, I'm trying to think of any silly show on Netflix, you know, if you can binge watch four episodes back to back to back and think that that's okay, then why not the next day give yourself four back to back episodes with yourself? You know, Absolutely. visualize yourself being the hero of your own movie. Stop watching the hero of someone else's movie. Visualize yourself being the hero and stop being an extra in the movie of your life. Exactly, exactly. And as I would dream, because it was a big part of my day, I could only get stay on my feet three or four hours a day. So you can imagine, mm -hmm. you know, the rest of the time I can't leave my house because I would collapse. Right. So I'm stuck here, and I made a decision early on that I was not going to turn the TV on. That was big for me. Mm -hmm. I, I was. I felt like that kind of stimulation was negatively affecting my intuitive process, which right. was which is true. Yeah. Um, and as I would dream, I would be dreaming about, well, what is it that I want to do next? What is it that I wish for? And slowly, as I would dream, the things that I would be dreaming about, those possibilities would show up for me. Mm -hmm. in, they would show up for me in the terms of people, in the, ter in the terms of opportunities, doors, just started to open mm -hmm. and I slowly began to trust in this process of not knowing anything but following the rhythm of my body and the desires of my body and body doesn't just wish for satiation desires mm -hmm. you know we the body needs other things too yeah um I started, you know, and with a little bit of time that I would spend out in the world, because those, wherever I went and whatever I did, those hours were so, I couldn't waste a word, mm -hmm. a step, or a thought. There just wasn't enough time. So everything that I did, I did with great, um, you know, what's the, what's the right word here? With forethought. Mm -hmm. If I'm gonna leave the house today, 
and you would do the same, anyone listening would do the same thing. If you only had 100 steps to take, and I would count steps, people who've been really ill or who are very old understand what that means, you, you make sure that those 100 steps you are going to take are gonna matter to you. Yeah. Because you don't have 25 extra ones. Mm-hmm. And so slowly I would m- meet people who might say, watch this person or um, I, I felt at one time I really needed a brain game. This was a huge point in my recovery. I could see that my brain wasn't functioning well. I needed a brain game. So I look on the, on the internet and I'm looking for a brain game and I find one that I think might work for me. I notice it's coming out of my hometown, Louisville, Kentucky. Hmm. I get an auto response. This is a cute story. And I write back to the auto response, hey, I just bought your brain game. I'm in Philadelphia, but I'm from Louisville and I see you are from Louisville. I don't know who the you is, but you know, I see that that's where it's originating. Mm-hmm. I gave them my maiden name, my name, and I said, my, you know, my family. Well, the man who created this game gets right back to me. And I tell him a little bit about my story in, you know, over emails. Mm-hmm. And he invites me into his Zoom room. Turns out that he is an Orthodox Jew and a Kabbalah teacher. So here I was just doing intuitively what I believed my body needed, which was I need to improve my brain function. I'm going to play a game. Mm-hmm. And from that game, I get someone who's now come into my life who is now going to teach me about not just believing in myself, but knowing what I am capable of doing. Mm-hmm. And this man changed my life. Now, how would I have met this man? I mean, you know, these are the, that is one example out of several examples over the two and a half years, the past two and a half years of my life of things that I manifested out of my own intuitive process of dreaming and meditation and truly learning and understanding and giving my body not what it needed mm-hmm. in order to, to make whatever the next tiny little step I needed to take happen. Yeah. Well, again, like jumping back to Abraham, you know, being in that vortex, you know, you're in that, you're putting yourself in that energy that's everything. You know, call it Christ consciousness, God consciousness, whatever yes. you want to call it. You're putting yourself there. So then you're just going to keep attracting those things to you. Yes, and exactly. That's, and you had like no choice but to put yourself into that practice where a lot of people we have you know the choice like oh, I'm going to I'm going to watch Netflix instead of sitting down for 10 minutes and and doing this. And it's like I just want to shake people and be like give yourself an hour, give yourself 5 minutes, like start small and don't worry about like oh what thoughts are going to pop into my head, but just start and allow it cuz once you fall into that space, then everything just it just starts coming. Well, yeah, and I think what happens is you're in that space, then in your daily life, you have created an awareness that kind of is an internal monitor that says, grab that, discard that, grab onto that. Yeah. (laughs) You don't need that. Right. Uh, You know, another quick story, just because this stuff really works, and I I want to give my examples because I want people to try this. It's my whole purpose in life now is to help other people. Like, that Mm -hmm. is everything to me. I, at a time when I, and I had lost my license because I couldn't drive any longer, doctors took it away, uh-huh. right? Um, and 
I was I wanted to go to a concert for a friend of mine, David Newman, was doing it. I love his music, mm-hmm. and I didn't have a ride there. And I called a friend, and she said she wasn't going. And I had resigned to the fact that I well I wouldn't be going. Uh-huh. At the very last minute, she says, "We are going to go. If you can make it to my house in the next twenty minutes, then we'll take you." So I Ubered over. Mm-hmm. I go to this concert. And while I'm there, I meet a woman for about 30 seconds who was a mindfulness teacher. And she was doing her first mindfulness training virtually. And mm-hmm. she happens to be an incredible mindfulness teacher. She runs a program in Philadelphia County Public Schools teaching mindfulness. And it's all about brain science, quantum physics. It's a real, uh-huh. a real, you know, full course about yeah. mindfulness. And I asked her if I could take the training from my bed. Uh-huh. You know, that I couldn't get out of bed. I would be on my pillow. I wasn't thinking very well, but I really would, I felt that it would help me so much if I could take this course. And she said, yes. Now, I could have very easily said to my friend when she said, I'll be here if you can get here, you know, I could have easily, listen, I'm sure I didn't really want to like get dressed and get an Uber and get over there. Right. You know, but I, I acted on it. Mm-hmm. And I, and I knew enough because I was in this vortex, right? I meet this lady. I see the way she smile at me. Something in my mind says, go for that, <laughs> right? right? And I became certified in mindfulness, which was a big piece of my healing because mm-hmm. that is where I learned about brainwaves nice. and the way in which we can heal ourselves by bringing our brainwaves back into a coherent homeostatic place. Mm-hmm. And how you said, like, you, you, know, you could have easily sat in your bed and been like, I'm not going to take that Uber. But, and I, I love this term, I don't remember where I heard it, but you took inspired action. Yes. You know, that you felt like, no, I need to go. I need to and go. it wasn't just like, oh, you know, it's like there was inspired action. You listened and you acted. And I think, you know, going back to people just making a vision board and then doing nothing. You have to take inspired action and the things will come. That's right. It, it we all have comes, to reach have, out. Right. You know? We have to make that first move. There is action involved. This is not just, right. I'm just going to sit here and watch as if a kitten is going to crawl up into my lap and lay there, and, and out of its mouth will come a million dollar check written out to me. Right. right? Like, exactly. That happen. It'd be just super cool if it happened. It might well, be a little freaky, but, you know, it, it would be awesome to. For it to happen. Right. But you do have to take that inspired action. You have to put in the work. It's like anything. You know, like, I photograph so many people that can do these crazy yoga moves. And I sometimes get messages sent to me like, you're only photographing those people that can do whatever. And I'm like, it took them years to be able to do what they do. It's not like they just closed their eyes one day and were able to float on their hands. Like, they, it's practice. You can do it too if you put in the practice. And it's like anything. You know, you have to you have to just start and you have to keep going. Yes. You know, and my practice became very developed because I was in complete despair. And mm-hmm. my message is don't wait for that. Right. Don't wait for that. Like this works. So, you know, if we can bring ourselves into a vibration that it if we if we can bring our brain and our body into a high enough vibration then we will be matched by that vibration yep. with the universe right so what it is that we are wishing for and wanting we can achieve simply 
by believing it will happen or by seeing it already happening, mm -hmm. even when it isn't. So that was a big technique for me. I couldn't walk, I couldn't really talk very well, I certainly couldn't think, but I would envision myself running on the beach, I would envision myself where I wanted to be right now, mm -hmm. even though I wasn't there. Right, I, acting as if. Acting as if. Acting as if it's already happened when in fact it hasn't. And one of the things that my Kabbalah teacher taught me was that skill. This is nothing new. We're mm -hmm. not talking about something revolutionary here. We are talking about very old ideas of wisdom that have been tried and proven throughout history. Yeah. Right? So we have to, we have to, be, we have to be in our mind where we want to be a year from now. We have to see it happening, and we have to see it in detail. This yep. is what I learned from my Kabbalah teacher, right? Mm -hmm. We see in detail what we want a year from now. We see it as if it's happening right now. And if we see it in detail and focus on that, then what ends up happening as we align with that is that the brain will automatically begin as if there are shoots of activity, will begin to pull in the things in, in its experience that align with the vision mm -hmm. of the way we want things to be. And as we align with the vision, those things begin to happen and we see it happening. Yeah. And then once you start to see that happening, then you just keep on envisioning, it's called the structural tension plan and it's something that I teach and will be teaching on my site when I'm well, Trauma mm -hmm. Talks. A structural tension plan means that you see the way you want your life to be, say six months from now, and then you begin to plan the steps to get there. Mm -hmm. And as you plan the steps to get there, the steps you need to take appear. Yep. It becomes very simple. It's, not, it's no longer a struggle. Now, it's simply a stroll. Yeah, and it's your listening then, and you're becoming more aware. I like I've I think we talked about this as well the Think and Grow Rich book by Napoleon Hill that was written in 1937. It's an old book, you know. Written based on you know Dale Carnegie and Henry Ford and these men that like created everything that's in this country and then all of a sudden it's like shh don't tell people this, where it's like no that doesn't work but it worked for them. You know, and it's saying everything that you just said is like vision. They all visioned themselves where they wanted to be and they planned out what to do to get there. And they would sit down and, and go over it every night and every morning. And it eventually started coming into play. It's like all of a sudden that, you know, that the televisions are beautiful, but they've also like programmed us into just this sheep like state of just blindly following along instead of creating the life that we want to truly live and then thinking that it's hard that we don't have the time to sit down and breathe because you know what i gotta watch that netflix show instead yeah right and one thing you know just bringing you back to those incredible people um i'm sure they th they failed a million times right right, right. And, and we look at failure in this country i think in a kind of skewed way because to me i failed a million times in my recovery mm -hmm. and every single failure was a stepping stone a learning block something i needed in order to succeed so to be able to realign yourself with the meaning of failure if we can look at failure but not as up oh, you failed you got an f it's over go home right but you have an opportunity. You, this is these are all these are the 
nine things within that failure that you succeeded in doing. Right. And then there's this one little piece that didn't, that could have gone differently. And had it gone differently, you would have reached a different step on your path. Yes. You know, so to be able to, you know, everything in the brain needs, to me, it's all about perception, right? We, in this, we, people who are sick, people who are healing, people who just want to evolve, we need to work on what what is our perception about ourselves and the things that we're doing. Mm -hmm. And how can we always see the optimistic side of that? Why do we have a tendency to drop into only the negative piece? Right. And I think it goes back to that programming. It's almost like it's this warm, cozy space to feel sad after the failure, you know? Like it's more comfortable to be there than to suck it up and be like, okay, what did I learn? And now I'm gonna keep pushing forward. It's easier to curl up and be like, oh, I failed. Right, and that's when you turn the TV on and get lost. Right, exactly. You know, so look where you, that gets right, you. Right, you fall into that, <laughs> you fall into the trap instead of being like, no, no. Uh, what did I learn from this failure? And how can I improve? William Bell failed 10,000 times before the light actually turned on. Yeah. 10,000. How many people do you think have the tenacity to keep going after five failures? 10,000. 10,000. That's... And there's a term for this, and it's called operating above the line. So for people who are operating above the line, and this is a business term, Mm Um, people who operate above the line look at failure as uh, only a puzzle to be figured out in order to change and be able to do something different the next time. If you're operating below the line and you fail at something, then that is the mindset of I'm going to lie on the couch and wrap myself up in a blanket with a big pint of chocolate ice cream and turn on True Blood mm-hmm. and watch episode after episode after episode and lick my wounds. Right. Right. So changing from operating below the line thinking to operating above the line thinking is a key piece in creating a more optimistic future for yourself yeah it's interesting like i've i've been having all of these realizations to high school football Mm -hmm. and the things that i've learned that are like you know creative visualization and and learning from your failures and in 11th grade my football team only won one game one game all we won and it was against our crosstown rival which wasn't a big school and but after every game we played on friday every saturday morning we would watch the film of the night before Mm -hmm. to see what went wrong to see what 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 we did well and learn from the mistakes so we wouldn't make those mistakes again and it wasn't like oh we lost again we're not going to watch the film we lost you know after every loss we still all got together as a team ate breakfast and watched the film to see what we what went wrong and where we can improve and granted 11th grade was horrible only winning once but then my 12th grade year we won the championship Mm -hmm. you know so we had to go through a year of shit to get to this year of like prosperity in a way but we didn't stop like we never said oh we failed again we lost again we're not going to go see where our mistakes were you kept looking for the opportunity yeah in the mistake and how can i improve what can i do better yes granted it took a whole year a year people you know it happened you know we got better and we believed you know that we can get better and our mindset changed absolutely and that's you know the victim triangle is coming out of the victim triangle 
is changing from a victim's idea in your mind of who you are to being the opportunist. Mm -hmm. So it's all about how can I create an opportunity out of whatever puddle I'm standing in where there is an opportunity in everything that we do good or bad mm -hmm. if we can if we can consistently look at ourselves as the opportunist how can I how can I take this this failure and turn it into a success right. what do I need to do different how can I be the opportunist here what action do I need to take that's different from the action I took the last time in order to create a different reality in order to create a different outcome mm -hmm. it's a you know it's a huge shift you know here's what we're talking about here are just shifts in thinking right. that come from our ability to stop using our brain in such a way and allow allow space and creativity to come into the process that's so good we just totally went on our on a ripping rampage there for like forty five minutes. That was awesome. Has it been that long? So, yeah, right. About like three minutes. Yeah. So everyone, this is Leslie. If you can tell, she's got a lot of good stuff to share. Where where can everyone listening find you? I just you have an Instagram page. Well, yes, I am on Instagram now. And LinkedIn right now. Okay. Uh, I'm dealing with what I am hoping will be the last few months of my my remaining deficits is what I'm I'm dealing with now in my recovery and they are important. Mm -hmm. um, I I will be uh, you know my business is called Trauma Talks TraumaTalks.com. And that's what it is on Instagram that as well. That is where you can find me on Instagram. That's where you can find me on. Um, where else can you find me? LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Also Trauma Talks. <laughs> also Trauma Talks. Okay. And I will be coming out with a Facebook page very soon and hopefully a website to follow. Awesome. So uh, follow Leslie on Instagram for now. Please if you, come find me. If, if, if you, you know, have questions for her, you know, send her, send her a direct message on Instagram. And, you know, it's a wonderful way to communicate. Absolutely. I wanna, I'm sharing my story and I want to hear yours. That's how I feel. I would love to hear comments and um, um, ways in which I can help and serve in my life anyone out there who's willing. Awesome. So before we go, what, and this is always a hard question, one or two books that you think may be beneficial for anyone listening? Do you have a favorite book on any of these topics that we chatted about? Happiness Beyond Thought by Gary Weber is a life changer. Happiness Beyond Thought. Also, Joe Dispenza, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Ah, perfect. Go get those books. Go get those books. Awesome. And, and let me know what you think about them. Yes. Thank I'll you waiting. so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I love doing it. Yes. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'll be back next week. Have a great, great day. And start living the life that you've been put on this planet to live. Thank you.